The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett, and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 84, Friday the 13th, Steve. We're hoping for good luck, though, as we're into draft season. More draft talk. What else would we want to talk about in the dead of winter? Uh, I know I got a nice little Mexico trip on the docket, Steve, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about weather and all that boring stuff. But today, a great episode where we're talking about uh, two of the drafts that we've been in. It's, it's almost like a, a draft recap show, but we'll definitely use it as a way to talk about uh, the landscape, some trends we're seeing, some different names that we like, what worked for us, what didn't work for us. It's going to be a great show, everybody. Thank you for joining us. You guys can follow us on Twitter at WindsAbovePod. I am at Van underscore Verified, and Steve is at Stav8818. We love having you guys with us and would really appreciate if you guys go out to Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us a rating and review. It goes a long way for us. So, Steve, with that said, uh, draft season well underway. I feel like we got a little pep in our step and uh, we finally got some guys that we know we will have a vested interest in this year. How's it going, man? How's how's draft season going? It's great. Uh, it, it's off to a, a great start. Um, I know we've mentioned on the show before, and like like a tips and tricks type of, th- type of thing. Like the best way to prep for drafts is to do like draft and holds or early drafts, and that's kind of what we're doing. Like I, I'm treating this. Uh, you know, obviously I'm taking this draft seriously. It's a the the one league I have. Uh, we'll get into the details. In in a second, but you know it, it's a league that's that's paid. There's you know it, there's guys in the industry in the league, so it, it's competitive. It's not that I'm not taking it seriously, but hey, it's my first draft of the year. Like I'm going to use it as as much of a learning lesson as, as possible too. And I think it's better than doing mocks or even just you know looking at ADP sort of things. Like there's no better way to prepare for a draft than drafting and. You know, we kind of did it for you, right? Like it could be a, a cheat sheet if you haven't done any drafts yet. So um, it, it, it's it's great to get one under the belt and, and to sort of get a feel for what it's like to be in a competitive room. So uh, it, it's nice, and I think that we can apply a lot 
of, of lesson learned and, and sort of what to expect going forward as we get into like February and March, which will be like the peak of draft season. I know TGFBI will sneak up on us soon. I think that takes place like the end of February. So, you know, I know we still are in a bit of a, of a cold period here in January, but once the, once these next two weeks are over, like that's it, man. Like we're going to have to go. Like most drafts are going to be starting. Um, in in february or or towards the end of it uh and i i know nick has mentioned it to like the pitcher list staff nick pollock obviously um it's a normal off season like we're not waiting on free agents or or anything because of a lockout right so it's going to be the first normal off season with like a proper draft season without any question marks due to covid or a lockout or or whatever um since 2019 so it, it might be hard to get back into that groove right like i remember you, you know back b- before things and, and the world was turned upside down right the, the off season just seems so long and and, right. and 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 right like like you were waiting for it to happen and like now that these last few years took place. There was so much going on and it can kind of sneak up on you now. It's, it's like back to normal. Right. So, uh, I think it's good to get as much prep in as possible. And, and, and the fact that we're doing this in, in January and have, have done drafts. And I know you're almost done with your, uh, 50 round draft and hold. I, I think there could be a lot that we could apply for this uh, as we get to the thick of things. Yeah. I actually, right. As you were rapping there, Steve had my had my little chime of the, uh, I call it the airplane chime, because I'm now on the clock for round 45 of my uh, my 50 that I'm doing on NFBC. But yeah, everything you said is spot on. And it's almost like glass half empty, half full with the, the normal off season, because in other seasons for wins above fantasy, we've had stuff to talk about with like uh-huh. the lockout or like, you know, this late wave of free agents. And now we all kind of were tweeting about it a, a month or two ago, but it was like, there's not that many free agents left. Mm-hmm. And outside of Carlos Correa's fifth team he signs with, you know, we might have a, an eight week run period here of, you know, thank God we have drafts, right? Cause it kind of mm-hmm. gets us going spring training. Of course, we'll have nothing short on topics. And, and as always, if you guys want to, Email the show. We'll be more than happy to throw a topic on the rundown. Winsabovefantasy at gmail.com for that plug. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely playing for keeps at this point when you mm-hmm. do a draft. And you get that excitement of, you know, it's like the the endorphin release when you, when you actually draft a guy and you're like, all right, in the next nine months we're going to be riding together. And then on the flip side, when you get around like pick 150, you start looking at the board and you're like, Oh man, like all, all, a lot of the top guys are gone. Like now I got to shift, uh-huh. get into the deep mode. So all that is kind of the, the schoolboy in me talking, just the excitement of fantasy baseball. But we're going to roll up the sleeves, Steve. So yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pumped for this show. And it's a two-sided coin doing a draft this early because, right, like, you know, America's sleepers and like the sleepers that aren't really sleepers haven't shot up draft boards yet. Um Yep. So there's a lot of value to be had and, you know, guys can, can fall and people haven't done the full extent of their research or even got into full fantasy baseball mode for, you know, the masses to, to fall in love with a, you know, 
Aaron Ashby from last year or, you know, a Shane McClanahan to make his, you know, uh, a rise in, in stock or, or like a Julio Rodriguez. But there's also not as much information and, and mistakes to be had. And, you know, we've talked about how ADP is really based on draft and holds at this point. So, you know, it might not, it, it's harder to, to make those decisions in draft rooms, but there's also value to be had. So, I, I enjoy drafting at, at at this point because of that value, but it's also I think harder to do um, just because you know we haven't had the time to dive into everybody and you know Nick hasn't put out his updated list of pitchers or you know uh, whoever's mm-hmm. rankings or, or sleepers that you usually follow. So, um, but yeah. as that information comes out, uh, everybody sees it and, and the, the the values change. Yeah, the, the, there is a reality that so, there, you know, I mean, fantasy baseball Twitter, it is a thing. It mm-hmm. is, you know, a, a movement out there and it can run the risk of groupthink. And like you said, it's like drafting right now is kind of a gift and a curse because, you know, you might be able to get ahead of some of those trends. But then whether it's injuries or, you know, position battles in spring training or just somebody tearing the cover off the ball in spring training, you know, we obviously don't have that, that information. So uh, we will get into all of it and we're excited. Kind of our rundown here, the agenda folks is talking through some themes, takeaways at the high levels. We'll talk about uh, kind of how Steve and I each in separate drafts attacked uh, position scarcity or did not attack position scarcity. Um, Talk about, you know, kind of some, some guys that we felt good about getting, you know, I don't think we need to, spell out every player that we picked across our our entire rosters, but we'll do kind of the quick recap and then we'll make sure that we definitely uh, get in deeper on a few guys that we really liked where we got them. Um, And also knowing that we've been talking strategy, Steve, on what we want, you know, New Year's resolutions, all those things, we can get into kind of the strategy we felt worked for us. And then knowing that this is draft one, it's kind of the guinea pig, talk about what didn't work out, whether it was our own doing or the draft room kind of got away from us. So it's going to be great. But Steve, why don't you start by just kind of, you know, hitting the housekeeping on what format your your league was. I'll do the same and then we can jump in. So funny enough, uh, it was a, a podcast listener league uh, run by uh, our podcast boss, Adam Howe at Pitcher List. Uh, shout out to Adam. This is the second year he's doing it. Um, it's the On The Wire Listener League. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more leagues this year. I think there was like 15 or so last year, maybe maybe 12 to 15, something like that. Um, and, I mean, I'm in On The Wire Listener League 3. So on January 5th, there's already been uh, three leagues. So uh, y- y- there, there should be a lot more this year. Um, shout out to League 3. There's a, a, a few... Uh, Big names in there, uh, Mike Carter of Fantrax, Adam Howe. Uh, lucky enough, I'm in, I'm in a league with him. I know his partner, Kevin Hastings from On The Wire, uh, is in some of the leagues too. Uh, Art Tornabene of Triple Play, uh, Royal Report Kev of Pitcher List. So um, a bunch of guys uh, in, the, in yeah. the industry. Yeah, it's a fun league. We had a great chat on Twitter going uh, going during it. So uh, a lot of sharp guys, which I was grateful for because you know it's not just a league that you join and sort of mess around and then obviously all the listeners if you're listening to the weekly on the wire podcast you you know what you're doing so um but as far as the format it's like the standard nfbc 
um, format, like 12-team, 5-by-5, five five, weekly fab with weekly moves. You could move your hitters on Fridays, 30 roster spots, seven of those are bench, two catchers. So it mimics like TGFBI, the main event. So as clear-cut as you can get for, for NFBC drafts. Um, so that was the actual draft I was in. It finished up, I think, two or three days ago. Um, and I had the 10th pick, which was, you know, a slot that I, we talked about, uh, on previous shows, you know, I want to be to the middle to late part of the draft, maybe a little bit later than, than I want. I kind of, you know, like that six to eight range probably best, but don't tell anyone I forgot to do my, uh, KDS and, and choose the order. So that was just one to 10 and I, and I got 10. Nice. Nice. Yeah, on my side, I'm, I'm just doing an NFBC 50. I think most listeners this time of year are probably familiar, but it's just kind of a, a basic league on NFBC 5x5. Five five. I think what's uh, most unique about it is that it's a 50-man draft, and then there are no free agent moves the entire year. So you really got to plan for kind of your depth and, um, you know, 23 starters, um and, and 27 men on the bench. So it's uh, it goes pretty deep, and you got to have kind of a plan for that, which we'll get into. But similar to you, Steve, two catcher, middle infield, corner infield, and five outfield, which is a bit of a challenge this year, yeah. at least I found oh, as, yeah. as Absolutely. a teaser. Absolutely, uh, we'll get yeah. into that. And it's so, and you do have to set your set your lineup, right? It's not is is, is it a best ball or correct? Or you, no, you, no, no. You yeah. you do have yeah. to set your lineup. Yes, NFB fifties. And it's fifty dollars, right? Fifty fifty roster spots, fifty dollars, right? That's uh, yep. That's, that's kind of uh, the NFBC fifties. Yeah, cool. It's a it's a it's a great format. I, I definitely want to do one of those, and probably that will be my next draft that we do. Um, I know we mentioned the the gladiators last week, uh, but that actually format is is done for the year. They're not doing it anymore until twenty twenty four. But we'll definitely do one of those next year. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, it's it's a good balance. Like it's no fab. You you set your lineups, but it's not too much of an upkeep. I know that you, you know a lot of us, especially us in the industry, always talk about how you know as much as we love the game, it's 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 overwhelming when you're in too many leagues. So NFC fifties are a nice little in between, right? Where you don't have to worry about fab or anything like that. You just gotta remember to set your lineups, which you're doing that anyway. Uh, if, if yep. you're in NF- NFBC leagues, you, you could just check one more lineup to, to start your players for the week, which isn't too bad. Yeah, you, you, you've you got your guys that are either going to take you there or yeah. not, and it's yeah. a matter of just putting them in. There is there is an overall, uh, which is a free main event entry for next mm-hmm. year. Which oh, is nice. Like that's, a, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, seven, $1,750 on uh, yeah. like a you know, $1,700 of value for the, for a main event entry. So there's a slight element of, uh, you know, kind of swinging for the fences, so to speak. But for the most part, yeah, it's just a, a nice, uh, it's a level maybe, up. Maybe from, like, from maybe like year five of WAF, we'll have to do a, a main event there. Uh, oh yeah, to, to throw yeah. to throw it to like that. You know, if, if there's anything that would, I know we always talk about how we love our home leagues, but if there's anything that would, uh, uh, Trump. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Or, or, or at least, you know, we'd be texting more often than we already do about our home leagues together. Uh, it would be uh, the main event, which would be a ton of fun. But maybe maybe one year uh, that could be a, 
uh, a fun thing to do. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll either do a, a GoFundMe or yeah. you know the ad revenue will really help us get there, which yeah, exactly. is my nice segue because we're going to talk about the players we attacked for position scarcity. But first, we're going to take our first ad break, and we'll be right back. The best way to learn a language: immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts that help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Okay, so Steve, uh, let's jump in here. Position scarcity. I know uh, throughout the offseason, kind of the big trends are that shortstop is deep. We know that we like kind of the depth of, of starting pitchers, but in terms of the positions that are pretty scarce, third base, uh, first base is a little top heavy, second outfield, uh, catcher, a lot of a lot of positions to be honest. So talk to me a little bit about how you kind of approached your draft and how you're feeling about it. Yeah, before I get into the position, the, an actual position scarcity or like, you know different positions that I targeted, it was just a general vibe, and I don't know if you felt the same thing, but around round five or six uh maybe maybe yeah six or seven a little bit later yes I, I sitting in the draft room i wanted to take a hitter i really did but there was just no one that i was like not afraid almost afraid to take like uh, i you took, have to reach yeah there's right like, like, there's there was, like 15 there was, pitchers out of 20 adp slots or something yeah yeah so i found myself just taking pitchers i went pitcher 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 in round six seven and eight um just because i didn't feel comfortable taking o'neill cruz in the sixth round uh trevor story obviously the news didn't come out at the time that was taken but same sort of thing uh you know corbin carroll i could have talked myself into but you know uh that early for a guy who's had you know uh 125 to 150 plate appearances so far basically one month of plate appearances uh, you know, uh, I, I like Teoscar Hernandez a lot, but you know, look at what happened to Jesse Winkler when he went to Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. Not that Teoscar isn't a better all-around player; I think he is, and I don't think he'll be that big of a drop-off. But uh, there was just no hitters that I felt totally comfortable with um, at at that point in the draft. So I, I kind of just loaded up on hitters. Like, sure, I love Vinny Pasquantino, but to to get into position scarcity like i drafted freddie freeman in the second round so i don't feel like i have to spend a seven round pick on Vinny pasquantino when i you know uh took freeman 15th overall um so it was just a really really tough spot for me and you know maybe 
instead of going Strider in the fourth round, I'll, I'll, I'll grab a, a, another hitter like like an Albies or a, a Kyle Schwarber even bump up uh, their ADP and then load up on on pitchers in rounds like five to eight just because there's really what wasn't guys that I was comfortable with. It, it, it was a, a weird spot for me because I, I still usually am taking hitters at that at that point. Yeah, there was probably a run. Um, I want to say like around pick 40 to probably about 66 in my league where a good three quarters of the draft board is yellow for pitchers. And it was the names you're mentioning. And the hitters that were being taken were kind of being pushed up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's another thing that you kind of got to wrestle with. So I, I totally agree with what you're saying. The way my draft kind of worked out, I actually jumped in there with um, some closers, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about. I, I did as well. It's kind of a new thing for us. We're, we're, you know, we're trying to be more responsible when it comes to the saves category. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, yeah, well, well, point well made there, Steve. That if uh, if you've got pitchers in the first one through four rounds, you might be uh, looking at the board. You want to have a plan for it because it, it does get a little thin, and just guys that were not all that excited about it. Yeah, guess, maybe so. maybe it was just the ball was so dead last year that a lot of these guys don't seem as exciting as they were the year before. Uh, you know, there there's some weird shape shapes to the people seasons. I know Springer was good, but he was hurt a bunch. Um, Bragman really didn't pick it up till like the last third of the season. Um, you know, uh, Jose Abreu, uh, even though he's in an exciting new lineup in Houston, basically had absolutely no power last year. Um, so, you know, Dansby Swanson's no longer in uh, one of the best lineups of baseball. So there, there's a lot of flaws in, in, in these guys and, and hitters that go, uh, you know, and pick basically 50 to, to 100. Um, so... Maybe yeah. I, I I will take uh, even more chalk in the first three rounds or for four rounds with with hitters and then load up on pitchers. Well, let's talk about some position players first, Steve, with uh, third base, and that's one that you know it, it's pretty documented that that's a shallow position. Now, I myself did not feel any concern there because I I, I went team si- or uh, pick six. On the whole KDS, I think my first preference was five, but I got six. Actually went Kyle Tucker, and then on the swing back went Austin Riley. So paired, you know, basically two elite hitters, one offering some speed, the other one covering third base, which is a huge get. Mm -hmm. Um, And even outfield in the five outfielder league is uh, something you got to focus on. So I felt pretty good about that one-two combo. How did you go about uh, third base? So I I took essentially my, my parachute player. Um, I had a third base in my mind uh, basically all the way through until I got one. Um, that happened to be Eugenio Suarez in round 12. Um, that was pick overall as I look it up. Um, 135. Um you know, I, I wanted Bregman. He got sniped a pick before in the seventh round from me. Um, 
and then you know uh, uh, there was really uh, the other one that I was debating, and he went in round nine was Gunnar Henderson, but mm-hmm. I, it was sort of the same thing that went through my mind with Carroll or even like uh, you know um, like O'Neill Cruz. It's just how much do you trust this guy that had such a limited sample? I know everything about Gunnar Henderson's skills scream that he's going to be okay, but you know, I've talked about being a bit more conservative and not jumping in on the shiny new toys as much. So I feel like you could bank sort of, you know, uh, not a great average, but you know, close to 30 homers for Eugenio Suarez. Um, so I, I, I felt somewhat comfortable, uh, with him there, but it was like the last, last option um, that I wanted. But then I made sure to grab a few guys that were, were third base eligible, like, you know, as I considered guys for uh, MICI, I wanted to make sure that they had uh, that third base eligibility. So I grabbed Brandon Drury and DJ LeMahieu, who I think are both third base, second base, first base, which is a nice little... Um, little insurance policy. Yeah, 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 that you could slide... Uh, you know, from CIMI third or first, which is a, a, a nice flexibility there. Um, and some do, insurance. Yeah. Like, I, if, I like, like if you don't, if you don't get one of those guys that are, you know, I didn't really care about getting a first baseman per se. I know both those guys have first base eligibility, but I had Freddie Freeman, right? But my weakest point of the roster, I want to make sure that my flex guys have that eligibility just in case things don't go don't go right. I think that's a good thing to keep in mind. Like you know, you had Riley, Austin Riley. I think this might be you know your your first base. Uh, sorry, uh, I'm looking at Riley in my draft, but you have Austin Riley, right? You're not going to be as concerned about getting two to three guys that are third base eligibility. You might just want one. Yeah, exactly. I, I waited a long while there and. I think Suarez is a good call because after Suarez is Cabrian Hayes, which mm-hmm. I, I want no part of. Um, you mentioned Gunnar Henderson. He went in the seventh round in my draft. So it's a good example of how people get pushed up in that kind of black hole of, of bats that, that you want. And there's stuff to like with Suarez. I mean, you were just talking about, you know, Seattle and how it can suppress power. But now we're looking at back-to-back seasons with 31 homers for Suarez uh, last year, his his fourteen point eight percent barrel rate uh, was elite as always, and it was the highest fly ball rate of his career. Um, you know, his average came up to two thirty six. I think you're okay if you oh, land it like two twenty. Like sign up, sign up for two thirty six for him. Like that's you know, I, I that, take that's that, bonus. I take, yeah, that that's bonus. I, I'm expecting like a two twenty um, average. You know, maybe even like a two fifteen. It might be tough to stomach but the the power should be there and you know it's just such a tough position that you kind of have to take your lumps if you're waiting to till the 12th round and take your first third baseman totally and, and you're not putting too much stock because roster resources kind of given their best shot but they got suarez batting third in that lineup mm-hmm. and that's a lineup that's now j-rod ty france suarez tay oscar colton wong cal raleigh like all of a sudden it's the improved Mariners, it was pretty good uh, last year yeah. and it's improved yeah Absolutely. So I'm fine with that there. Well, let's shift over to uh, the other corner with with first base. Now, for this one, it's kind of a different story. Uh, for for my my squad, I know that you and I have both for a couple of years been on grab one of those top five guys. Mm-hmm. I was able to get Matt Olson in the middle of the fifth round, nice. okay. um, which, you know, I think is a stable pick. I think it's um, we kind of came back to reality a little bit last year. But I think we're, you know, you're still pretty 
uh, confident that he's going to deliver kind of that top 50 overall type uh, of value and, and deliver a lot of pop. At, I didn't, at the I didn't put this as my favorite early value, but I think Matt Olson might be my favorite early value. Like this guy was a second rounder last year and people were excited to going to Atlanta being in the, this, this new amazing lineup. And I mean, he wasn't horrible, but I don't think he met expectations. Uh, certainly didn't exceed uh, what we thought, especially coming off of that amazing year that he had in in twenty twenty one with the with the A's. So uh, I know I've talked a lot about um, you know the first year uh, of a guy being in, in a new environment and sort of the pressure and that 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 takes and the toll that that takes just mentally. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I would be shocked if he hits two forty again like he did last year. I mean, he still put up a eight oh two OPS, but in twenty twenty one it was a nine eleven. Um that K rate that he cut down that was so impressive in twenty twenty one was just sixteen point eight percent, jumped back up to twenty four point three percent. It's still not bad. It's not the um you know horrific thirty one percent that he had in the in the in the shortened season. You know, it's more in line with his twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen numbers. But, you know, we've we've talked about guys pressing in a new environment. Sometimes they're um, reach rate jumps, which for him it did. His O swing went from twenty eight percent to thirty three to thirty three percent in Atlanta. So, you know, a year, another year, being more comfortable in that environment. Like, I, I'm taking the over on the 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 projection of two forty nine for him. I think he can be closer to like two sixty, two seventy, like he was in twenty twenty one. Yeah, um, yeah, and, he gets and, shifted and get on that, a lot. He yeah, gets shifted yeah. on so. as a lefty, Steve. And and you know, I, I was gonna say exactly where you went. That we talk a lot about new and new, you know, new team, new ballpark. How some players press. We haven't really had that narrative for Olson because he was still so good with thirty four homers, yeah. one hundred three RBIs. Like I think if you can get him around pick fifty, like this, this isn't a bad spot to, to land with first base, and then you're done worrying about it for a while. So. I'm There's no reason good. why he yeah. can't have another 2021, right? Like, yeah, uh, that's that's within the outcomes of, of possibility for him. Uh, I would not be surprised if he has you know closer to a 900 OPS uh, than an 800 OPS this year. So talk about second base, Steve. This is another one that is kind of perennially shallow, and um, it's one that you just kind of have to have a plan for. Uh, you know, what did you do? Did you see anything that you really wished uh, you kind of would have grabbed this guy at a certain spot? It, it's it's similar to like first base and third base, where like the five first basemen go, or you know, f- four first basemen go in the 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 first two rounds with you know, Vlad um, Vlad Freeman, Alonso, and Goldschmidt, um, and then you know the third base with Ramirez, Devers, Riley, Machado. Um, that takes place in like rounds one to two, but then it's like rounds three to four. It's it's the second baseman. I kind of want to grab one of them: uh, Altuve, Simeon, Trizom, and Albies, because mm-hmm. then after that, um, it was story. But you know, there's uh, that's not going to happen anymore. And then it's like Tommy Edmond, Andre Jimenez, Glaber Torres. So there's a pretty big fall off in my mind from Chisholm to the to those stories to to, to those. Uh, um, second baseman in, in the next tier, uh, and I I kind of started off the second baseman run in the third round uh, with the uh, um, 
like 34th pick uh, in, in Jose Altuve um, in the next fi- uh, five picks uh, um, or next 10 picks, Simeon, Albies, and Chisholm all went. Um, and shout out to you. You, you, you talked me into Altuve, uh, and I think it's sort of a, a mirror of what happened with Goldschmidt last year. You know, he had a great year in 2021. Um, the cost just didn't go up too too much because strictly because of age like you know Altuve is just sort of this you know you could pencil him in for 28 homers and 15 steals with a good average right like that just that's just kind of who Jose Altuve is at this point and uh for a position that's uh, you know I find pretty shallow um sign me up for that I, I I hope to be getting a lot more Jose Altuve shares this year yeah, I got in some trouble on this one, Steve. Um, just missed some some second baseman. Altuve went a, a few picks before me in, in the front of the third round. That seems to be a trend. And then I was uh, really hoping to grab Andres Jimenez in the middle mm-hmm. of the ninth round. He went two picks before me. So I had to go to the bargain bin and the guy that you've talked about in the past. I, I haven't been as big on him, really hoping for a rebound. And it is Brandon Lau. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's deep at that point. You you know, it's it's Lau or it's it's India. Even Jorge Polanco went before me when I was kind of interested. But this is a spot where uh, I'm in a little bit of trouble. I was able to just kind of back it up with a, a Jake Cronenworth, which is a nice kind of mm-hmm. you know multi position. He can slot in. I think it's. Uh, First, and, First second? and second, yes, yes, for Cronin. So, yeah, a little bit of uh, Matt Olson if there's like an injury, but Brandon Lau, um, yeah, I mean, he, he was riddled with injury last last season. He had a tricep issue, a couple stints with lower back, uh, but when he's healthy, there's certainly plenty in that bat. In, in 2021, he had the 39 homer season and batted 247. So, I think there's reasons for optimism, but it's definitely not a warm, fuzzy feeling when. You see Brandon Lau as your starting second baseman, so I'm not sure if you got anything to add on that, but I, I kind of got pinched at second. Yeah, you know, it's kind of the game we played with Olsen. Olsen was a second rounder in, in 2022. Like Brandon Lau was going in the fourth, fifth round uh, in, in heading into last year, coming off of that 39 homer season, where in the second half he really started to hit lefties and hit like close to like 280, I think, um, which for a guy that you kind of envision more of like the Eugenio Suarez, low average, high homer total type for 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 a guy to uh, have that could add an average over that long a time is is impressive, and that led to me being in on him and a lot of other people last year. Obviously, it didn't work out with the injuries, but I, I, you know, I think that's a similar pick to Suarez as like a parachute pick for for second base, um, and I think I did it in the. Uh, in the pitcherless mock draft too, that was uh, that was my play. So um, you're not going to find any argument from me there. I think it's a, 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 a you know break glass in case of emergency. You need a second yeah. baseman. Yeah, uh, take Brandon Lau. Yeah, for sure. And it's like at that stage, you know, that we're talking the 14th round. So it's it's not a it's not like you're over investing. It's just mm-hmm. you look at the board, man. It's like once. Once Chisholm and Edmund go off, Story's got the injury, and after Andres Jimenez, it gets into this like mediocrity, really, of like Glaber, 
you know, Muncie's got plenty of question marks. Polanco, Grissom's interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. are, do you do you feel like Va- are you going to be in on Von Grissom this year? I know um, you didn't see a ton. I'm, he had the strikeout rate. The the reason why I might be in on on Grissom is that he's not costing like what. Um, yeah, he cooled off, right? Yeah, he cooled off a bit. I mean, you know, it, it is kind of impressive that the Braves felt okay enough to to let Dansby Swanson walk with what they had there. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a it's a good organization. So that that's um, I know that's more soft analysis, but um, it's a good sign that that the Braves sort of trust him to take over that role. And you know, it doesn't cost what a Gunnar Henderson or um, a Corbin Carroll cost, right? Like, uh, I don't right. know where he went in yours, but I'm, I'm just looking up, looking up mine. Um, yeah, he was thir- late 13th round for me. So just yeah, he went, the, he went the 17th round for me. So 195, oh, wow. 195 overall, um, which yeah, I'm in like, there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. The, the cost is right there to, to take a shot. Um, but you know, like like we mentioned before, like you know, if if you have that situation with Brandon Lau, make sure when you are grabbing guys that have multi position eligibility, make sure they they got a little two B next to your name um, that you could slide in there as sort of a your backup. That's kind of like you know the building a bench strategy. Um, make sure your flex positions uh, cover your weakest areas. Yeah, yeah. Steamers Steamers got them projected out at a two seventy two average, which would be terrific. Uh, you know, kind of a 15-15, maybe even a twenty twenty guy. And with that Braves lineup, plenty of upside for Grissom. So another break glass in case of an emergency. Mm-hmm. So let's let's finish with outfield here, Steve. Um, this was a takeaway for me because I think it's I, I got caught in the thinking that we've always had that like outfield is deep. And I mm-hmm. even knew that people had said like, you know, it's not as deep as you think. And Starting with Kyle Tucker for me, first round, I just kind of had this. You kind of forget about it, right? Yeah. 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 And and then I I woke up. My next, my next outfielder was in round ten, Stephen Kwan, and uh, (laughs) I know, I believe you got in. Yep, that's the the same same thing as me. I went Alvarez in the first round, so kind of went in autopilot for outfield, and then. Stephen Kwan was my uh, my my next outfielder taken in round nine. Same boat, same boat. So so yeah, I mean, it's just it, it gets. It gets thin quickly. Like it's very, you know, top hundred. There's plenty of outfielders, but then after that, you kind of wake up and you're like, man, these, these are guys that you're wish casting a little bit. And, and mm-hmm. I personally recognize that with Quan. I mean, obviously that's why I drafted Quan. And then just two rounds later, I went back in on Anthony Santander as one that I just. I've talked about him a few times. I, I think the average could come up. Uh, he obviously had terrific production last year, actually kind of cooled off a little bit um, with the pop in the second half. So I, I think that um, that was my approach to basically be like, I need a solidifier. But I think the, the biggest takeaway for me was I, I realized that you do need to be thinking outfield top of mind in your draft, especially mainly if it's a five five and, outfield. That's, that's a hard bias to overcome because you just – can be like oh what whatever outfield is just a filler like oh I'll, i i need us i need steals like oh i'll just take an outfielder later on that that has more steals uh oh i need pop like uh you know i'll just take a a, a low average 30 homer outfielder hitter there, there's there's not as much flexibility as there has been in years past and i 
I don't know if I did this intentionally, but after, you know, I, I went Alvarez in the first round and then waited till round nine, but I then went outfield, 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 and Quan, Taylor Ward, and, and Nick Castellanos to Oof. sort of fill out the need all there. Just kind of, that's kind of just how it worked, but. Um, Those are good I, names, man. Yeah. I, I, I know I, I went Ward in the pitcherless mock draft, and that's a guy I will definitely have some shares of. A lot to like last year with the barrel rate. A little power speed average at that point in the draft is mm-hmm. pretty rare. Um, but we haven't talked about Castellanos much, Steve. Uh, when I was over on Triple Play Fantasy, uh, Art had brought up Castellanos as one of his guys that he's watching. Um you know, did, was that just who was on the board, or was that someone that you think you're going to have plenty of this year on a bounce back? Um, I, it, it's kind of, you know, being conscientious of outfield, someone that I, I think may have fallen a bit too far. I know we've talked uh, uh, kind of about, like, a disappointments from last year. We, we've talked about them, you know. Um, but, you know, it, it just does not look like – like like thirteen home runs for him just does not make any sense whatsoever in that hitter ballpark with that good yeah. of a lineup around him. Um, it, it's it's just looks like it's going to clearly be an outlier. Like I'm not expecting a 2021 940 OPS. You know, is Nick Castellanos like a top two round hitter? No, I don't I don't think that's the case. But uh, it, it should look a lot like his you know, peak years in Detroit where he had 25 homers with a good average, uh, and, and come back to, you know, the Castellanos that, that we loved, like a 34.6% hard hit rate where the last, you know, five years of his career before that, he didn't have anything lower than 40.5%, right? Like this was the guy, you know, that everyone, broke out and the Fangraphs article was the Greek god of hard, hard contact uh, yeah, you know, before yeah. hard contact was like the stat of the, you know, du jour. Um, Nick Castellanos was the guy doing it. So, um, And he's I, only 30. Yeah, he's you know? only 30. Um, you know, it's not like he is this guy that's beat up or, you know, he's, he's not known for his defense that, you know, run into walls or anything like that. Like he's not a good defender. He's more almost like a DH type that they kind of just shove in the corner there. But I I know he doesn't walk a lot and reaching and the O swing has never been great. And last year was the worst of his career, but you know, we, I, I, I talked about a bunch, new contract guys, press, uh, uh, I, I like guys in bounce backs in their second years after big deals once they get acclimated. So I think Castellanos is a nice value this year. So, yeah, I probably will have him on a few more teams. So let me ask, Steve, looking back, and then we'll wrap on, on outfield, would you do anything different? I know it came up a little bit of a surprise for me personally, and I tried to recover. Like, to me, it was almost less about the the Quan Santander, but then – you know, a lot of names that I really like, which I'll save one of them because I, I think we're bringing them up later in the show. They got sniped to where how I rounded out my five outfield is what I'm really having some regrets on with Verdugo and Seth Brown out in Oakland, just not where I wanted to land with with outfielders. So from there, I, uh, you know, I grabbed like a Sal Freelick late, uh, Jose Siri way late, Max Kepler. So I was the rest of the draft, I was kind of thinking like, I don't see these, you know, OF four and five 
being as good as I wanted them to be. But would, would you do anything different with, with your approach or did it end up working out okay? Yeah, I think maybe taking OF2 um, a little bit earlier. Like I really like Kyle Schwarber. Uh, he went to Adam Howe in my draft in, in the fifth round, the middle of the fifth round. Um, I like Eloy Jimenez. He went to uh, Al in the in, in the in the end of the fifth round. So maybe grab one of those guys there uh, a little bit later. I like I still like Teoscar uh, Springer, Brian Reynolds. Those I think could be good plays. So maybe bump up uh, my my OF two a little bit earlier, and and not necessarily have to go outfield 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 in round nine, ten, eleven. Yep. But if you're shallow, you can always. Uh... You know, drive into deep left field and grab Nick Castellanos. Uh, <laughs> so we will get into some of our favorite value picks and dive in a little bit deeper on some of these guys. But we are going to take our second ad break. We'll be right back. All right. So Steve, uh, getting into kind of the uh, the deep dives, if you will, uh, a little bit of inside baseball here, working on the rundown, and you and I both started typing <laughs> at each other, cracking up because my favorite early value was Mr. Corey Seager, uh, which I was thrilled to grab at pick 76. Um, at that price, that is in the seventh round. So we know shortstop is deep. There are some options after him, but that's when you get O'Neill Cruz went after him, Xander Bogarts, uh, you know, Tim Anderson with some injury concerns, Willie Adamas. But Seager, I, I know I'll be kind of preaching to the choir here, for those who kind of missed last year, the, the power was everything we had hoped for with 33 homers, uh, 91 runs, 83 RBI. He only hit 245, which was abnormal. Uh, Hacks and Jacks, I loved uh, Scott Chu the other the other day, I think it was on last week's show, on the shortstop breakdown, was going on a rant about how this is just not Corey Seager, and he's 100% right. Uh, his X average on the pitcherless page was a, a 285 average above that 245. So 40 points points up on that. And, you know, we talked with Christian Mack last year about the ideal plate appearance. Kind of mixes in quality of contact with the plate skills. And Corey Seager was sixth in the league in ideal plate appearance. And that's in part to the plate discipline, just a 15.5% strikeout rate. walk rate. You'll take both of those for sure. And then that's alongside having the 24th best hard contact in the league. A lot of stats there, but the idea is Seager is just poised to break out. I mean, he already has really, but I think what you're really hoping for is that he puts it together, right? If he can get that average up to 270, 275, and you still got the pop at like 30, 35 homers, that lineup's also better and better. So I think that um, I think Seager's a good one. And, and talking about shift splits, a couple great tweets that were out there. One from the Fantasy Gospel at Fantasy underscore Gospel. Corey Seager was one of seven hitters shifted on 90% of the time last year. So uh, Seager is definitely one that pretty much you can count on that helping him. He, he should benefit as a lefty batter. Um and yeah, another one from from Mike Curland basically just showed that he hit the most liners out and grounders out of any player in the league into the shift last season. So a lot is made about the shift. It might not all come to fruition and help players, but Seager should be one that it does help, and that average should come up quite a bit. So I think Corey Seager is a great like back back end of that top tier of shortstops. But uh, anything to add on Seager, Steve? Those are a lot of great, uh, a lot of 
great people with a lot of great input that do a lot of great research. This is uh, from much dumber me um, with a lot well, simpler hey, we'll analysis. But I like this. He had a 242 BABIP. He has never had another BABIP lower than 301 uh, for his entire career. So, you know, as unlucky uh, as, as he can get, he got last year, right? Like, there is just nothing you can do about ha- having a 242 BABIP and a 245 BABIP when, or a 245 batting average when the rest of your career you've basically been a 300 hitter. Um, Outside of when he did have that 301 BABIP and he hit just 267. Uh, I am going to take uh, the over on his uh, steamer projection of, of 271. Uh, it's just not who he is, especially without the shift. Uh, I, I could see, you know, a, a 30 300 uh, season coming with like, you know, a mid 850, 800th OPS rather than the 772 that he had last year. You know, he's shown the ability to take a walk too um it was just 8.7 percent but he's had walk rates close to 11 9 percent uh in in the past so um i i I like seeker i took him at pick 54 in the fourth round um in in, in, or 58 so uh, even a little bit earlier um but that's fine yeah but yeah i mean i I still i still like it you know it's uh the, the lineup's getting better. Uh, Texas wants to win. Um, Seager's a big part of that. Um, and I, I expect big things from him this year and think it could be of a, a value. Yeah, I think he could either be an aggressive target or if he falls to you, uh, it, it's one of those where it's like, I'll change my plans if, if he falls mm-hmm. around uh, to me. So that's a, that's a quick pick on the draft clock. Uh, talk to me about your kind of early round value pick that you yeah, liked Steve. don't have to spend too much time on it we already hit on him but jose altuve uh same sort of thing that i mentioned it just seems like there's a tax on him for uh being as old as he is and being around as much as he has been uh, maybe the fact that he doesn't uh steal 30 bases anymore but he's still a, a contributor in that category like the floor i think for him is kind of like like 10 steals right uh he had um 18 Last year, I know there was uh, a while there. In, in 2021, he only had uh, five, and then in 2019, he only had six. But he was only caught one time last year. Um, you know, with the bigger bases, I don't see how uh, they, that they're going to put like a, a red light on him, or it'll be like the past few years when you only had a handful of steals. But despite that, even you know in 2021, when he didn't really contribute in the stolen base category. Uh, he basically contributed everywhere else. Like, you know, uh, he's at worst a four-category player. But like I said, I I can't see less than 10 steals, uh, at least with the with the bigger bases. I know it's hard, uh, especially for an aging player, but everything else Altuve does great. He walks. He doesn't strike out. Um, he had a 164 WRC plus last year. That was the best of his career. That's absolutely insane. Wow. Um, a 921 OPS. Like, I'm not expecting uh, MVP Jose Altuve, but, like, you know, 25 homers, 280. Uh, like, sure, if you want to say the 18 steals are an outlier and, you know, you don't think they'll have it again, but it won't be a zero, right? So, um, yeah. Th- there's a lot to like about Jose Altuve. He is just 
an all-around player and i think just because you know he's going into his age 33 season that uh there is this slight discount on him mm-hmm. yeah it feels like he's gonna age gracefully as well i mean he, you know he's a guy who's typically uh on the field a lot yep. and uh you know is in great shape so i i love it for altuve one note for him is that he's getting more and more costly so uh, you know, about a month ago when we did the ADP value show, we had him at a 46. Yeah. Since so December. Yeah. Since December 28th, which is a complete dart throw on that date range <laughs> from from December 28th till now, it's 37. So he, he's jumped up about 10 picks already. Yeah. So. He, he's basically firmly a, a third rounder now. Right. So you have to spend the top three top three pick on him. I got him in towards the end of the third round. Uh, you know, maybe I wouldn't be talking about him if. I still like him, but maybe not as like a value if that's if that creeps up towards, you know, pick 30, 35 yep. uh, rather than like 38. Not that it yep. makes too much of a difference. And the fact that, I, I you know, you do want to grab a second baseman. So, um, but yeah, good, good, good uh, color by you there. Yeah. And, and uh, I guess to to shift to the late round guys that, that we liked our, our value on. This one's a little interesting for me, Steve. I think I was kind of cheating and going into into uh, strategy, but I had a couple handcuffs, if you will, in my format, again, mm-hmm. knowing that there's no free agent grabs. I still can't quit Miguel Vargas, man. I know oh, they brought boy. in uh, I know they brought in JD Martinez. They brought in Miguel Rojas, but I'm with uh, some of the Twitter faithfuls out there who are, are behind the fact that He's just so good. I think the Dodgers are going to do it. You know, they let Justin Turner go. I think that they're going to find a way for Vargas to play four out of five games. Um, I grabbed him at pick 259 overall and then kind of did something of a handcuff with Trace Thompson about 200 picks later just to to get into the sweepstakes because right now they have Gavin Lux, Max Muncy. uh, You know, there's, there's Vargas, there's... Rojas in the outfield. They got, uh, help me out, Outman and Trace Thompson. So they've got a lot of guys that are fighting for like four or five positions. Mm-hmm. But when you look at Vargas as like the AAA player of the year last year, just 113 games, 17 homers, 16 steals, a 915 OPS. Uh, love the plate skills with the 14% walk rate, 15% strikeout rate. He struggled in the MLB, but that was. 18 games, totally mm-hmm. willing to throw that out. And I really do just love – he passes the eye test when I, like, watch his game, watch his highlights. He has such a natural swing. Uh, I'm wish casting again, to use to use your phrase, Steve, but I could see if he gets, you know, 130 games, which Ross, or, uh, Fangraphs has him at, like, a 121 WRC+. plus. If that's what he's doing, he should yeah. get the volume, and I could see something like a – 280, 285, 20 plus homers. Uh, he's definitely going to uh, chip in on steals as well, but big fan of Vargas and I- I'm still happy there. And then my bonus uh, kind of handcuff pairing is I-, I went Hunter Brown a little bit earlier than expected around like pick 220, but then I followed it up with her- Jose Urquidy later in case Urquidy gets traded. I'm winning with Hunter Brown, or if Urquidy blocks Hunter Brown, then. I've got Urquidy, so I think that was kind of a fun late pitcher uh, double tap there. But those are mine. I'll open it up if you want to uh, chime in on either Vargas or Hunter Brown and Urquidy. 
I think the Miguel Rojas news could be a bit of an opportunity. I think maybe people will be, you know, scared off by that and it'll kind of suppress Miguel Vargas's ADP rather than, you know, if the if the Dodgers didn't do anything and it seems like he's, you know, the shoe in for the starting third baseman, his ADP would skyrocket. So I don't hate the news. I think that maybe it'll provide a bit of a, a buying opportunity and, you know, uh, let the, you know, draft skills not roll. Um, Ron Chandler adage, like, you know, Vargas has the skills. And I think what you did, especially in draft and hold, I think buying shares of just a good Dodgers team is a good idea. You know, you have Dodger at bats currently in Vargas and, and Thompson, which is a good thing to have. Um, same thing with Brown or Kitty. Like you have Astros starters, which is a good thing to do. You can kind of think of that more so in draft and hold. Um than you can, than you necessarily have to, in um, you know a, a, a league with daily or weekly moves. So I, I, I like that. I think that's good play, good plays, and uh, you know you don't have to convince me much on Vargas. Uh, you know we've been talking about him since <laughs> I think maybe the prospect show that we did last uh, last off season, um, or even kind of as like a, a flyer for for call ups. Uh, things to watch out uh, i know we, we've we've definitely mentioned him a bunch on this show so uh, I, I got waff uh episode 57 there you go for for vargas so yeah like uh a, a good 30 weeks ago or something yeah well so. yeah and, we, and we're every other week in the in the off season so uh even further back than that yeah um, yeah there we go I'll, I'll transition into my favorite late value uh the, the the transition being that it is also a Dodger, um, but I grabbed Evan Phillips in round 22, 255 overall. Like, I know roster resource has Daniel Hudson as the closer, but right now, if the season started tomorrow, like, I think Evan Phillips is going to get the most saves. He is the best pitcher in that bullpen. He got saves at the end of the year when, you know, they didn't trust Kimbrough at all. Um, and sure, he might be... Um, a high leverage reliever and not necessarily put out in every single save situation, but he's just so good skills wise that, um, you know, he'll still provide value even if uh, the saves aren't fully there. And, you know, uh, I I bought into some closers a bit early in Felix Batista and Hunter and and Alex Diaz. Um, So as a third closer, a guy with that skills, um, I'm just betting on him taking the role and running with it for the Dodgers. You know, the Dodgers have had, I know Jansen was there a while, but they do like to have a specific ninth inning guy. And I don't see why Evan Phillips can't be that. Yeah. I mean, pretty much sits 96 with the four seamer, but the slider uh, with the ridiculous 20% swing strike rate. Uh, yeah. You know, 33% K rate. This makes all the sense in the world. And like what, what do you want other than a, a guy who's potentially closing for the Dodgers when it comes to saves potential? So what at what what spot in the draft was that? Because I think I need to just put that in Sharpie um, for future drafts. That, that was that the 22nd like a, round, uh, pick 255 overall. Wow. So th- that's just pretty much role uncertainty that's, that's keeping him down. Yeah, there. I'd imagine his ADP w- is going to, to steadily close steadily climb uh and it kind of is um you know in in the beginning of november it was around pick 370 and now it's up to around 
pick 268. So I still grabbed him, I guess, a little earlier. Um, but still. Uh, that's where he went in my draft, too, yeah, Steve, was yeah. in the 22nd round. So. Yeah, so uh, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe maybe he's just not going to be the closer. I mean, the Dodgers didn't sign it. Like they, The guy looked at the roster resource like, yeah, their bullpen's really good. They have, um, you know, uh, Gratterall. Um, mm-hmm. Daniel Hudson's still good, but I mean, Evan Phillips is the best pitcher in that in that bullpen uh, right now. Uh, so I, I like him uh, for saves. Uh, if I were a betting man, yeah, I, I like that too. And he's 28 years old. It's not like he's a spring hen. So I, I feel like if they were going to try to uh, organically have Cl- have the, the claimed off of then. waivers from the Rays in August 2021 what a what a pickup by them what a surprise uh, yeah. Steve I know you you had mentioned in the show notes and I have to, to say it because it was oh, one yeah. of the worst snipes of the draft for me I'm I'm loving myself some Lars Newt bar and uh, you actually landed Newt oh bar. yeah is that right yeah, yeah. he was uh, a little bit past the he was like my fourth outfielder so I grabbed him in round 15, 178 overall. Um, uh, and, and, you know, uh, I, I almost want to pass the, the the ball to you, just being, you know, the, the Cardinals uh, lover that you are and just, you know, uh, talk about Newbar. But there's a, there's a lot to like, you know, uh, uh, a, a 20% strikeout rate with a 12% Bauer rate, like, there is uh, all the makings of, of a breakout, more so than he even did with his 14 homers and four steals in 108 games last year. Um, I think there's there's room for improvement. You know, he talked about adding a lot of speed to his swing, uh, working. I think it was drive line that he went to. Uh, yeah, you know, the drive line stuff. You is see incredible. him in the batting cage this off season, like you know, hitting a pitch and, sw- and swinging the bat. 10 miles an hour faster at a low and inside pitch uh, and hitting it harder than he ever has before. So, you know, this guy is just a junkie as far as, uh, you know, working on his swing and, and improving it there. So uh, I, I love me some Lars Newbar for uh, for 2023 and hope to have him uh, in, in everywhere. I, I think it's a great value. Um, I'll, I'll take a look, too, at, at Newbar to see what his trends are as well. But, you know, we... we I don't know if he is going to be this extreme riser because, uh, you know, even though the, the, the Cardinals did trade Bader, there is there are a few guys out there, right? Like you would know better than me being uh, mm-hmm. plugged into the pulse of, of Cardinal Nation, but there's still a few mouths to feed out there, right? Uh, I know like Dickerson's gone too. Um, Newpar is penciled in as a starting right fielder but there's also alec burleson that's nolan gorman being on the bench right like they have jordan flexibility. walker jordan walker too edmund can play some outfield right i know he's penciled in as a shortstop but yep yep they, as they move the things DH. around yeah, yeah they exactly do. they do um i do i also think that newt bar just I think he's going to surge. To be honest, I think we're just seeing it's, okay. it's almost like a new player. Maybe that's me trying altogether. to be to, to be helpful, to be uh, hopeful uh, that uh, he doesn't surge. But well, uh, you, I know he's a fantasy. Right. He's kind yeah. of a he's kind he's of an darling. industry he's a darling. darling. Um, the drive line stuff is salivating. If you guys could just go out and search Twitter, I mean, there's studies. There's people at drive line who are doing threads on Twitter about mm-hmm. you know him gaining, like you said, eight ten miles per hour a bat swing. Uh, speed 
and he just looks like he is completely locked in. His barrel rate jumped from 4 to 12% last year. He was 14th in the majors in hard hit per swing. Um, yeah, and his plate Four, discipline 14. is so 14.7% walk rate. I know uh, Schwebzy, Christopher Weber of Pitcher List in, in the Deep, like always would put up like stat lines like, is it Soto or is it? Lars Nupar, like you know, yeah, with the with the yeah. with the barrel rate and walk and strikeout numbers uh, all next to each other. Uh, well, and another thing to note is that you know Edmund doesn't walk like that. Like mm-hmm. like Edmund's not going to have an OBP that's up there. And the reason why Edmund has been a leadoff in addition to the speed is he's also got that switch hitter ability because the two three four for the Cardinals, at least how it's stacking up on paper, is righty 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 with. Contreras, Goldie, and Arenado, and then you got Newt Bar as a lefty. I think there could be a little bit of. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Newt Bar kind of mixes in with that rotation. Here, here's an inter- here's an interesting tidbit. From what position in the lineup did Lars Newt Bar get most of his plate appearances last year? Was it leadoff or yeah. second? Leadoff, eighty-seven oh plate appearances. Uh, second was ninth. So you know they 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 kind of might do that thing where uh, you know hey it's uh, two leadoff hitters uh, ninth and first. It's like yeah. Well, yeah. for fantasy that kind of stinks because it's not a leadoff hitter. He's batting ninth. Uh, but most of his uh, plate appearances uh, came uh, at leadoff. Twenty games there. So, um, man, we're finding out who our guys are quickly, Steve. And uh, sadly, some of them uh, we're we're joining the long line (laughs) of of the industry, but maybe we're near the front of it. So we'll see. Let's round out, Steve, with uh, a little bit of a zoom out here on strategies. I know we we talked about some big picture stuff in like November, December. We had our New Year's resolutions about how we're going to, you know, what we're going to take in a draft season. So let's, you know. Keep the spirit of accountability and just talk about how it's gone so far. Maybe start with something that you feel uh, worked well for you uh, in, in terms of this draft strategy. So I, I know I talked about you know hating every hitter that was available in rounds six to to not to ten basically, but uh, that that's where I, I loaded up on pitchers and felt comfortable doing so. Um, even even a little earlier, a bit I guess pick. Pick forty-five-ish, fifty-ish uh, to to pick a hundred. Like there's a lot of good pitchers there, and I feel that's that's where I feel pretty comfortable building my staff. Um, I was gonna go Brandon Woodruff. Uh, he went a pick before me to Mike Carter. Um, so then I went Strider. It was between him, Cease, and Rodon for me, and like Cease and Rodon went right after that. But I feel comfortable with any of those guys. Um, I then grabbed sort of the tail end of a closer run, and I grabbed Felix Batista. Uh, in round six, followed by Alex Manoa and, and Tristan McKenzie. So kind of built out all areas of my staff in that range and mm-hmm. felt really good doing so. Like a one, two, three of Strider, Manoa, McKenzie, I, I feel pretty confident in. Um, you know, Strider to provide maybe a little bit less innings than you would like for for a number one, but the strikeouts of you know, I, I, you know, I would not be shocked if he led the league in strikeouts, and then that kind of can balance out with more of the inning eater um, for Alex Manoa. I know you know the strikeout numbers weren't great, um, and then I, I've talked about it. And I know you, you've talked about it, and uh, um, Mendy uh, Mendelson from Triple Play Fantasy has talked about how much he likes Tristan McKenzie. So um, 
do not hate that there uh, as no, my, as great. my number three. So I think that's a, a a really good spot to load up on pitchers, and I'm glad it worked out. And you know, uh, building my staff there, I feel really good about it. Well played. Well, um, the irony, Steve, is that your strength is my weakness, and my strength is your weakness. So <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go hit two right here because I think what I what I failed at is the Nick Pollock uh, four for floor. And by that phrase, we mean four starting pitchers that you know are going to offer you floor. Part of this, uh, you know, I got to I gotta confess to all of our listeners that I got absolutely crunched at work and the draft uh, <laughs> rattled off and I got nicked up with an auto pick in round three with Jacob deGrom. Now... It's DeGrom. It's not the worst you know, thing in the world. Yeah. He went round three. Worst. He went he went round three in this this draft, right? Like for me. Yeah. It, and I instantly had to, you know, kind of alter my staff because I was like, if DeGrom, if I've already got DeGrom as a volatile ace, yes, yes. I wanted to bolster right away. So I got Brandon Woodruff, but right away, everything we've talked about, Steve, on like waiting for starting pitching, hitting that sixty to one twenty was kinda out the window and I had to mm-hmm. adjust there. Um so DeGrom Woodruff and then Tyler Glass now and Blake Snell. I had a couple snipes, including Tristan McKenzie, went about five picks before me, as well as George Kirby. So I did not get my floor. I, I ended up getting a lot of uh, roller coaster type of pitchers and ended up just, you know, taking shots, you know, at, at basically how I could backfill from there. Um, but overall, you know, I, I still think there's a ton of upside with a lot of those names, with Snell, with Glass now. Uh, Woodruff is solid, but DeGrom is, of course, about as risky as it gets. Um, so that was my, my failing. But then my, on the plus side, was just being mature, which is my New Year's resolution. <laughs> being mature when it comes to catchers and closers. Stop falling victim to just the excitement and actually have a plan to not finish last in saves and uh, dread catcher all year. So I did that in a good way, I feel, because I got um, I followed the resolution. I got Felix Bautista. I also got Ryan Helsley. So felt really relieved to just not deal with relievers. And uh, for catcher, I followed my own advice of don't be the first one, don't be the last one. I ended up grabbing Cal Raleigh in the 13th round, which I also think Really good value. He's another guy that should benefit quite a bit from the splits, or I'm sorry, from the uh, the shift rule change. Um, so th- that helped. I-, I waited a little bit too long after that and ended up doubling up with uh, Andy Rodriguez, which we both like, and Eric Haas, who's kind of a wins above fantasy honorary member because we're always falling into the Eric Haas mm-hmm. uh, uh, safety net, if you will, if, if we're going to call it a safety net. But Steve, I hit both of those because I think – your your shortcoming kind of balances yeah. out with where I, I, went. I, I I told myself I wanted to catch her and I wanted to catch her relatively early um, and I failed at doing that. I was the last one I believe in the room to draft a catcher, and it was your boy uh, Yasmani Grandal. Um, okay, which isn't isn't the worst. My my I, my two other catchers are Andy Rodriguez and Bo Naylor. Which what do they have starting jobs? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe not, Bo Naylor, Andy, probably not. I know uh, the the Pirates. Uh, I forget what catcher they Is added. It hedges, yeah, hedges, yeah. So he's blocked already. Um, but 
you know, I'll, I'll definitely have to be on the catcher carousel early, which I talked about not wanting to do. Um, but yeah, like Riley was my fallback plan, and you know he went in the thirteenth round. Uh, but I probably should have bumped him up a, a, a round or two. Um, but you I can like, make I, moves. You can make moves in your league, yes, which definitely yes. helps. You know, yeah, I like both Contreras brothers. They both went in round nine. Maybe I'll, I'll have to dive in there. I know. You know, Wilson's overall numbers didn't look great, but he got to a super hot start and, you know, being in a much better lineup in St. Louis and sort of that Cardinal devil, devil magic. Like, you know, they have to have a good catcher just because Yachty's been there forever. Like, that's going to rub off on Wilson. Uh, Contreras, like, I could see him having a really good year there and being uh, a good value in round nine. Uh, so I like Contreras a lot. A lot. Uh, but we'll definitely For have sure. to just be more conscientious and and suck it up and and, and take a catcher uh, a little <laughs> bit a little bit earlier than I would like to. Like if you don't get more, like that that tail end of Sean Murphy, Tyler Stevenson, Cal Raleigh, uh, you're you're kind of in trouble. Um, you you want one of those guys just because those are it seems like the floor to to the fantasy relevant guys. I know Danny Jansen was really good in a limited sample, but it seems like it's always been sort of a, a limited sample uh, for him there. And they also have Alejandro Kirk, although, um, yep. you know, they, they did find a good amount of, of ways to get them both in the lineup uh, last year. But um, I, I, I'll, I'll bite the bullet in my next draft and take a catcher early, like, like, like I've been telling myself I would. So where'd you end up with uh, closers? Um, so I, I kind of hit on it before. Felix Batista in round six. Uh, Alexis Diaz in round 13. And That's your then, boy. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Evan Phillips in, in 22. So three, two and a half, I guess, I guess closers, right? Um, you know, paying up for, for uh, Batista. I went with him over Williams, Iglesias, uh you know, Williams' walk, walk rate, despite the amazing skills, kind of scared me off a little bit. I just think Batista's a, a, a little bit better. Um, you know, mm-hmm. maybe uh, could have pl- paid up around. Like, uh, you know, maybe Presley is a little bit more of a safer uh, veteran-type guy. Even like Jordan Romano, I think there was a, a tweet thread on him about how you know reliable he's basically been for, for three years now as a closer. Uh, but those are a little bit more costly. I kind of like the sweet spot of of Batista in the sixth. Uh, um, you know, a- after that, it's kind of like Doval, um, which, you know, I know he had a good year, um, but the Giants and, and Gabe Kapler tend to do a little bit more funkier things in, in the in the closer role than, you know, Batista, where he was just sort of the guy in the ninth inning uh, for the second yeah. half on for, for Baltimore. So a little bit more steady job security there, I think. Yeah, the mountain. And he's a banter. He's a banter guy on the roster. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. It's great. Well, before we go, uh, you know, I, I know I mentioned this, uh, the, the the great chat that I've been in in this On The Wire Listener League. I mentioned to the group that, you know, hey, I'm going to be talking about this draft last night, t- tonight, like recording with Van, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and there's basically just been clamoring. It's like, all right, now that this draft is done, what do we need to do? And it's, you know, everyone's bored in the in the, in the – in the chat and like we just need to draft more uh so Sh- sean shard of uh of uh fantasy sports resource he's a D- dfs writer was like 
maybe we just need to do a WAF listener league uh, who is with me. So I don't know. Maybe we'll have to talk off air. And uh, I don't know if we can get on NFPC oh, like, like like on the wire is. But, you know, maybe we throw together a league with, uh, you know, if there's a if there's a few other people uh, with Sean uh, there listening, if, if they're interested. So maybe it'll be. No, I love uh, where your head's at. I love uh, it, Steve. A, a, a project. Yeah. And if you guys, you know, if you've made it this far into the show, then, you know, you're kind of in this exclusive club where reach out, give us either one of us a direct message on Twitter. If you would be in some sort of a WAF listener league and and we can work, you know, we're on year three of the show. So we got to look at evolving, Steve. I, I, I love that idea. And I don't know if... Um, We'd, we'd have to sort out the logistics of it. But, yeah, let's at least get the feelers out if people would be in on it. Yeah, for sure. Well, it. we could we could throw out a tweet there, uh, you know, uh, get some cross-promotion, uh, go and see if see if we can do some interesting things there. I, I, I you know, and we could get a group together and sort of decide, you know, the format, where we want to host it, things like that. So uh, could be a cool idea. I, I really like it. And uh, shout-out to Sean for uh, – bringing that up uh in the chat there uh, uh, got a good laugh of it uh, at, at least but we'll maybe yeah. we'll, we'll put it together no love it love it and if we don't we don't have a listener league we at least have our loyal listeners so thank you guys <laughs> for tuning in to episode 84 uh we'll be off next week i'll be down in cancun i'll take a nice little break there steve uh might have to yeah, this let is you know this, if this i is got nice any auto picks coming up this is nice for you you know once you come back from this trip like it's all you know that closer, it's, right? yeah that much closer like we'll be right at february will be right around the corner and it'll be right in the thick of things so uh, it's yeah. a nice well-timed vacation for you Yep. Uh, can't wait for, for everything that's ahead. It's going to be a, a great year three for the show. So thank you guys for tuning in. Housekeeping, as always, you guys can follow us on Twitter at WindsAbovePod. I'm at Van underscore Verified. And Steve is at Stav88818. Uh, you guys can catch us week after next on Friday. And uh, hopefully we uh, will have a, a special guest on to talk about some redraft prospects get out in front of the line for some of the the rising young talent so super excited but thanks as always for tuning in and uh hopefully you have some lucky uh draft rooms in the days to come uh but until next time guys thanks for talking baseball with us thanks for listening guys later